one person in our lives that will see, hear, and can actually help us is ourselves. And if we don't allow ourselves to be that person, we got nobody else. Welcome to the Horsewoman Project, a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. Hello, hello. Hey. How are you this week? (laughs) I'm good. Got my first tattoo. Yes. (laughs) Tell tell our listeners what you got. It's so cute. I love her I got a vine that wrapped around my ring finger, and my husband got some Celtic knots that wrapped around his finger, and it was our 12th anniversary, so we decided to get tattoos together, which we've been debating off and on for years, and finally decided to get tattoos <laughs> I love it so I am curious do your vines have special meaning or did you just really like them um I like a lot of the symbolism behind vines so there's a lot of symbolism to the spiral that a lot of vines grow in where they wrap around things and spiral around things um just kind of that continuing motion right with with spirals Um, And then a lot of stuff with vines has to do with upward growth. Um, There's a lot of symbolism there. So just kind of some fun meanings behind that. And it just looks pretty. (laughs) It does look pretty. I like that, though, the upward growth symbolism. Yeah, I like that. Cool. Do anything else exciting this week besides get tattoos? Oh, not too much. Just prepping for my retreat coming up in a couple of weeks and getting all ready for that. So how about you? How was your week? My week has been busy, but it's been good. Lots of things going on, but just keep chugging along. Oh, I'm really excited. Um, So I've been trying to get conditioning rides with Sandy. I've been really focusing on trying to get her heart rate to come down to a good spot because for time to stop and for you to, um, like when you come into the vet checks and things, your heart rate has to be down to 60 before you can go in and, and do the vet checks and different things and before your time stops. And if they don't come down to 60 within a certain time limit, you're disqualified because that means there's probably something wrong with your horse. Um so she recovers pretty slow. Like her heart rate, it just takes forever for her to slow down. Well, the other day I was super excited. We went and it was actually a pretty tough ride. We did eight miles and had a really good climb in there. And then a couple of really nice long trots where I kept her at about eight and a half miles an hour or so. And within two minutes after stopping trotting, she was down to 56 beats per minute. I was super excited. Yay! <laughs> I know, like, this is exactly what I wanted to see. So that that's my one exciting thing <laughs> this week. Yay. Oh, oh, that's a lie. My other exciting thing is I have a niece. <laughs> that's always Ooh. fun. Second girl in our family. We definitely tend to lean towards having boys in both of our families. So we now have two nieces and we have like six nephews <laughs> so we're, we're excited to have another girl but my my little brother just had his first baby so it was, it was fun we got to go and be and not like in the delivery room but there and see her just just a few hours after she was born and it's just really cute so ah, and for Michaela who <laughs> you're like I don't mind babies so <laughs> I know, but they are cute. I like to hold them. <laughs> and I like to touch their soft hair. You're like, as long as it's not mine, it's fine. <laughs> Maybe someday, but not right now. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Little baby girls. Oh, they are so cute. I remember when I had Thea, she had so much hair, so much hair. And it was dark, which is for anyone that knows Thea, she is a toehead. She is blonde, blonde, blonde. And so... Yeah, to to realize that she came out with dark, dark brown hair (laughs) was kind of funny. But you just, their heads are so fuzzy and sweet smelling. And oh, I love babies. Newborns are are so fun. She's come out with, my new niece came out with a 
really dark hair too but i'm kind of thinking she might go blonde as well because that's that's what my brother did is he had black black hair and then he went to toehead blonde um not too long after after that i'm not sure how long but i'm kind of thinking she might be doing the same thing because it looks like her roots are a little bit lighter than than what's out so it'll be fun to see yeah that's awesome congrats thanks i did so much <laughs> I worked so hard for that thing. I did. <laughs> oh, good deal. Well, should we dive into our topic? Yes, ma'am. Why don't you go ahead and lead us into it? Yeah. So kind of what has been on my mind a little bit is to work with ourselves and with our horses instead of against ourselves and against our horses. Um, I feel like there's there's a lot of knowledge these days. There's so much knowledge out there and it's just so accessible that we know so many things about ourselves. You know, we have different types of personality tests. We have different, you know, everything from blood tests to um, psychological tests to so many different things. Uh, so we know about our, our disorders you know, everything from ADD to anxiety to depression to, you know, any number of other things. Um, and then same thing on the horse end. You know, we know sometimes, not always, but sometimes we know any little trauma that they might have undergone in their past. We know their stories, um, the stories our horses come with. Uh, we know all their different quirks, the things they like, the things they don't like. And I feel like sometimes that can be helpful having all of this information at our fingertips but I feel like there's also a lot of times that information gets in our way and actually is a, a detriment to our growth um, and to to us in general um, and to our horses so that's kind of why I wanted to talk a little bit about that today is just kind of talk about well what do we do with this information right you know what do how do we use it to our benefit how do we work with that and work with ourselves so what do you think Michaela any thoughts I love it I feel like this has been coming up a lot for me um personally but also I feel like I've had a lot of these conversations with clients lately as well and in my work with my own horses it just I don't know maybe it's just the time that we're in but I feel like all of these things have just come up quite a bit um so I'm excited to talk about it awesome so I guess the first thing to talk about would be like some of the things that we do where we work against ourselves, right? Or work against our horses. And I feel like one of the biggest things that we do is to put a Band-Aid over it. Okay, so um, to just throw a medication at it if it's a disorder, which medications are great, guys. I'm not knocking them, um, but they are one tool amongst many. And I feel like a lot of... Um, a lot of medications get thrown around without any deeper diving into a lot of whys. Um, so I feel like there are, are a lot of band-aids there um, in in the horse industry as well of just kind of trying to cover it up so we don't have to look at it, right? And we're, we're trying to cover up the, the symptom instead of getting to the cause. Um, so I feel like there's definitely a lot of that kind of band-aid mentality going on. Another thing I feel like can happen is we just want to ignore it, right? We we get this information and we're like, oh, but I can't deal with that. So just shove it down, <laughs> right? We just ignore it and and um, and and choose not to to deal with it. It's kind of that denial perspective, right? Um, and then another big one I would say is playing the victim. Um, so allowing this information to get us feeling defeated and feeling less than um, picked on any of those things. Um, so just al allowing that to tear us down a little bit. Um, and guys, I'm including myself in all these things. <laughs> um, and then the other one that I would have to say that a lot of people do is we, we try to fight it, right? We're like, no, no, this information isn't true. Like <laughs> I'm going to, gonna fight this so do you have 
any examples of those or anything you wanted to add with that of kind of how how we work against ourselves? Yeah, so I think just from the human perspective, so if we're talking about ourselves here, um, the finding band-aids one, <laughs> like it, it, that one's hard too sometimes too, because I do feel like there are certain things that are going to help you get to the root cause, right? And so like you talked about, like I think medication is a great tool that can help you then do the things you need to do to also help things improve, right? Um, and I think those band-aids come from just slapping it on and leaving it, right? That's when it becomes a band-aid. Um, so I do think it can be like a helpful tool. But as you were talking to, I was thinking from the horse pers perspective, I been seeing a lot on social media and I really like this saying, but it's like a horse without shoes or a horse that is only sound with shoes on is not a sound horse. A horse that is only sound with a saddle on is not a sound horse. A horse that is only sound when a certain rider's on it is not a sound horse. Like at the end of the day, if, if it has to have any of these things, it's not a sound horse. And I've really enjoyed that to really, um, think about not having any of these things and say, oh, well, my horse is sound because I have this special shoe on him or my horse is sound because I've given him this medication or whatnot. It's like, well, he's not sound because you've had to slap these things on to cover up the fact that he's not sound, right? That doesn't make these things not a tool, but I do think not looking deeper into the issues of why isn't he sound without this? What is going on? That's when band-aids become a real issue right and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with finding comfort you know like getting a nice shoe on them and propping up propping their heels up if they need it or whatever and he is more comfortable I think that's great but also let's look and go okay what is what is the root cause here what is going on here why does he need this what is what is the long-lasting consequences to that like there's just so much that goes into anything if we're talking medical right like I feel like I've kind of hit more of the medical points there um but those were the two things that really came to mind when you were talking about band-aids for me yeah and like you know band-aids bandages like you said they are there for a purpose you know if, if there's a big wound you're not gonna just leave that thing open and, and not not put the medication on it, not put the bandage on it. You know, they are, like you said, band-aids are tool. Bandages are tools to use that are going to help in the healing process. Um, but yeah, there's also a lot more underneath that that you need to get into in, in so many different situations that are going to help you find the, the deeper stuff going on there. So I like that a lot. Yeah, I... I agree. You, you can't, you can't do anything if you're bleeding out. So <laughs> you yeah. gotta fix that first. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You gotta fix that first. <laughs> um, but I think too, I, I kind of want to play around if we get out of the physical things, but just even the mental things, um, for myself, right. I'm, I'm just thinking about some things I am, I am the queen of looking at it and going, oh, I'll deal with that later. I'm just going to bury that for a second. Like I am the queen of doing that until it all comes out and just spills out. Right? Like, and it's like a volcanic eruption. I feel like I am, I'm 100% the ignore it person. <laughs> like, the, uh, okay, I'll deal with that later. Like when I really have to deal with that, I will set it aside. Um, what I have been finding in myself though is the more that I do that, like I said, it builds up and it builds up and it builds up and it's causing a lot of other issues to arise because I'm out, like I have no more space, right? Like I end up to where I just don't have any more space to hold any of these. And because I haven't done what I needed to do to handle them in the moment that they came up, it's like now I have to go back to the base, you know, and start over and it's, it's a much slower process. So that's been something I've been really focusing on myself is, okay, how can I release whatever I need to release so I can handle these situations that are coming up and not just sit on them until they have to be done. Right. Um, so I can have more, but I'm curious, Cameron, with you, do you feel like there's, there's a point in those four things that you listed that you tend to set that, you know, speaks to you or you do? Um, Definitely a little bit on this ignore standpoint. It's kind of, I mean, I guess an example would be with a, a client horse that I had recently. And he was good with his feet as far as like, once you got him picked up, he would 
um, hold him there and you could pick him out. He had shoes on when he came, you know, and, and so he wasn't, he wasn't one that was going to kick, kick you or anything like that. Um, but he didn't want to lift his foot for you. Like you had to be the one to like manhandle the foot up. And part of me was just like, oh, this will fix itself. Which, like, granted, sometimes that does happen, which my theory in it was with daily handling, I pick out their feet every single day, he will get to where he'll just start, you know, it'll be a habit and he'll start picking up his foot himself. Um, and so essentially it was ignoring it, right, and just expecting it to to get better on its own. <laughs> and a uh, month and a half later, he's still trying to just plant his foot and I'm having to manhandle it up and uh because I had just ignored it and and so I finally had to take an entire session and just work with him repeatedly on no you need to be the one to lift it up for me and when he did he would get treats so we used some combination of positive and negative reinforcement there um but yeah I did I kind of tried to just like it's not a problem because it, it wasn't a big problem right you know it wasn't one of those things that was going to take extra time in my day I could get his foot up <laughs> you know I could the foot would come up and I could pick it out I could get the job done um so I just kind of ignored the fact that it it was a little bit of a problem and uh so yeah definitely a, a lot along those lines of ignoring <laughs> unless it's like a huge problem <laughs> uh, so yeah I I resonate with that a little bit too Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking to like what you said. Oh, it's not a big problem. But then as you said that, I'm like, I could come up with about 15 scenarios where him not picking up his feet could become a big problem. Right. Yeah. And I think that's true with most of our problems, though, is it's like, oh, well, this isn't mm -hmm. a big deal. But it probably could become a big deal. Right. Yeah. If, it, if you don't handle it when you notice it and you if you don't take that time to okay how do how do I deal with this um that's really funny though because <laughs> you're right like, oh but if this happened or this happened or this happened that would be bad. <laughs> yep and that's finally I'm like well you're you're not learning to pick it up on your own yet so I guess I better actually put a session to this and <laughs> uh, um, he's been great ever since now I put my hand and even touch it on his ankle and he holds his foot right up but you know spending a whole session on that when he's here to be doing a little bit more finished work was like well he already knows how to pick up his feet you know so again it was just that ignoring the small thing that really like you said it is the big thing so yeah but at the same time I mean if you had to force his foot up did he really know how to pick up his feet <laughs> right <laughs> but well, and I do Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I just think a big part of finish work is, you know, finishing up those little things that most people oh, do yeah. overlook, right? Because um, if I have a fancy horse that's doing all these things, but he can't, but he lays on me when I pick up his foot, like, is he really finished? Is he really, is he really to a, to a next level of, of a training position, right? So, yeah, I think, I think being able to have that is a really good tool. And oh, I yeah. would not, I would not say or negate the fact that you had to spend a session on that like I yeah I'm just thinking like oh, I gotta go probably do that with my person too <laughs> well and here's the funny thing too that I'm just realizing I mean not just realizing but um <laughs> horse feet in general dealing with hoof issues like hoof handling issues with adult horses is a little bit of a sore spot for me um for multiple reasons one of which is I've been kicked in the head before while handling horse feet. <laughs> and another one is I've dealt with a lot of very wild, very <laughs> rank horses to teach them to pick up, up their feet for me um, as full-sized, you know, two, three, four-year-old horses. Um, and so I have spent a lot of time, you know, having them like hurt my back or do things where they like rope burned my hands or you know early on when I didn't have all the techniques yet and I was learning how to do it so I feel like I almost have a little bit of uh like I said that sore spot there of like uh I don't want to deal with it <laughs> so uh it, it's one of those things I guess but makes but sense why it. it 
Yeah, it makes sense why it goes into your ignore pile. <laughs> right? I know, like, it goes into oh, the do ignore. <laughs> yep. Yep. So. 100%. Um, well, in my yeah. personal life, I definitely notice more of, like, playing the victim card. Like, more of, I guess, feeling picked on. Like, why is this happening to me type of mentality. Um, and that mainly happens when I have, like, a pile up of lots of stressful things and it's just like why can things not go right you know and you you get in that uh that victim mentality at times and I always pull through it but it's definitely one as I'm looking inward that I I recognize in myself in my personal life aside from horses so. oh yeah I have definitely done the same thing as as I'm thinking about it, I'm like you know I've done all four of those things <laughs> yep <laughs> probably this week too <laughs> Um, but playing the victim portion, I kind of want to play on that one for a second because I have caught myself doing that and I have done it for years, you know, where there's been multiple years back to back to back where the years have just been hard and it has felt like, oh my gosh, everything's working against me. Everybody hates me or this is going on and I, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. And there's a lot of scenarios where like legitimately, can you do anything to change it? No. But one thing that has really been helpful for me the last couple of years is this idea of radical ownership and taking radical ownership of every situation you're in, no matter what it looks like. And it's kind of a scary concept to do at first, especially when you're used to playing the victim card, because it's it's really hard to look back and go, yeah, I caused that or yeah, I, you know, could have reacted differently or or whatever. Um, but there's a lot of power in that because once you take ownership of it you then have the power back to yourself when you play the victim card you're giving all these other things power and you have zero power because if things are happening to you you can't do anything about it you might as well just sit back and just let all the horrible things happen but the second you take ownership for any one of these situations it's like okay you know it's either a choice that i'm staying in this situation or let's really look at and how can i change this situation Right. But until you're willing to take that ownership, it's really hard to do. Yeah. Well, and it, it reminds me of that reel that I sent you the other day of this gal talking about, you know, when you when someone tells you that you made a mistake or they make fun of you for making a mistake, she said, don't feel bad. Don't don't shrink down and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She's like, no, you you own that mistake. Like, oh, yeah, I made that mistake. That's mine. Yep, I did it. And guess what? I'm going to make another one tomorrow or, you know, or next week. And you know what? That mistake means that I learned something that I'm going to grow. And I just really loved the way that she said it. Um, I can't even remember who it was, but <laughs> yeah, I don't, I I love that a lot of just that. That's your word for the year, right? Michaela ownership. <laughs> yes. And it is hard. It is. Cause I, I grew up with a lot of, victim mentality stuff as well in my family and we had a lot of a lot of things happen in a row and it, it turned into this running list of this 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 and this and this and this happened to us and happened to us and and um it's it can be hard to break out of that habit I think you know even with me recognizing it and seeing it and saying I don't want to be that way I still found myself playing the victim right and and getting into that victim mentality um so I think maybe having a a friend or someone that's gonna help you with that ownership can be good too and kind of like like you've done for me before Michaela of well what are you gonna do about it you know <laughs> are you gonna sit here and whine about it or are you gonna are you gonna sell all your animals or what do you what are you gonna do you know and 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 getting me to find that ownership mentality instead of that uh victim mentality so yeah having someone to kind of catch you on is good um mm -hmm. but also you can definitely catch yourself right like it just takes you to notice and the minute you decide that you're going to notice you will start to notice those things like I've noticed like when I start to think oh this sucks the situation sucks why does this always happen to me it's like oh okay like that's my trigger right when I when that phrase <laughs> ends up in my head that's my trigger to go okay why is this happening to me 
well, it's because I chose this and it's because I chose that and it's because I chose this. Um, I'm trying to think if I can come up with a good example here just to, to give people an example of how I look at it. But, um, well, I guess maybe a good example would be my work with Sandy. Um, I found out this year that she's probably about two years younger than I originally thought, uh, which has been a really interesting development. But I got her, she's great, so I have no idea what year she was born, no idea what her past was or who she's been to before. And when I got her, I was told she was four, which... Uh, like sure she could have been four you know I I didn't know any difference she was definitely not like a complete baby um but this year she's ended up having like her six-year-old teeth come in like her canines have come in and as I've compared her teeth with other horses teeth and have other people look at them she's actually quite a bit younger she's probably only six and I was thinking she was eight and the first thing that entered my mind when I found that out is just I started feeling really bad <laughs> and really guilty for how much I expected of her so soon. And there's been a lot of situations where I've been really, really frustrated with her because she's acting like a baby and she shouldn't be a baby. She's eight years old or she's seven years old or she's six years old and she shouldn't be acting this way. Why is she still acting this way? And I feel really bad now. I'm like, oh my gosh, looking back at that, it's like, like, I feel really bad, you know, to that I expected her to be an adult when she wasn't an adult. She was acting like a baby because she was a baby. And I didn't know any different. But one thing I have that's that's helped me, too, with that is just as the guilt's come in, it's like, okay, ownership here. I had no idea, zero idea that she was younger than I thought she was. There was no way I could have known that with, given the circumstances that I had, right? So, okay, it happened. Those the situations like, yeah, do do I feel a little bit bad that that I couldn't allow her to be as much of a baby through some of those years as I wish I would have? Yes, but I also didn't know. I only had the information that I had, and now that I have the information I do, I'm also looking at her and going, you know what? She's okay. Like, did I ruin her? No. She's still a very happy horse. She's, she enjoys her job. She does very well with different things. And it's okay. You know, so just taking, like, stopping that guilt cycle and realizing, okay, let's let's look at this situation logically. Let's take some ownership in some of the situations that happened. Ownership, yes. Would I do things differently knowing what I know now if I could go back in two years? Yeah. But I didn't know what I know now. So I'm just going to move on. And it can, like, you can play this out in so many different situations. And there's been a couple of conversations I've had with clients lately about taking ownership. Like, okay, yeah, your day sucked. I'm really sorry your day sucked. You had a lot of things that came up for you that day. But at the end of the day, you still chose not to do what you committed to doing. Right? And I've had those same conversations with myself. It's like, yeah. The last couple of weeks have been super busy and I chose to push my workout days further back, right? I chose to do that. So at the end of the week, I'm sitting there going, oh, like now I've got to hit the gym one more time and oh, I've got to, I still have to get my run in. I don't want to do it. It's been a busy week. I'm stressed. I'm tired. I don't want to do it. But I chose to push my workout times back and I'm not going to choose not to do them because that is a commitment I've set for myself. And at the end of the day, no matter how tired I am, no matter how much I don't want to do it, no matter how much it sucks doing it when I'm there, I always feel 10 times better at the end of the day when I've done it because it's like, holy crap, I just had one of the worst weeks of my life and I still showed up for myself and I still did these things. So taking ownership can be one of the most empowering things that you can do for yourself as well. Yeah, I love that. So it got me thinking a little bit as you were talking about Sandy here. Um, I, f I think that one of the ways that we can play the victim a lot with our horses is when our horses start having issues. As I air quote issues. One hundred percent. So, you know, our horse starts having bad behaviors, whether it's being buddy sour or gate sour or they start rearing or they start getting a bucking habit or you know any number of issues or they they start kicking at the farrier and not being good with their feet or they start having deworming issues where they won't take the tube in their mouth um 
there are a lot of ways where we can be like, oh, this stupid horse, like, why do they do this? Why do, why do they do this to me? You know, why is my horse rearing with me? Why are, why are they doing this with me? And, and we tend to be, play that victim card of like, why is my horse doing this? Right. And, and, um, I feel like, again, you know, if you take ownership of this, well, okay. So maybe in some situations, your horse has these issues because you bought them that way. Right. So there's maybe one scenario. So taking ownership of, okay, well, I only had X amount of dollars for that amount of money. This was the horse that I got. So moving forward, taking ownership here, right? Where, what do I do with this? You know, do I sell the horse and get my money back and buy a different horse? Or do I seek out help? Do I seek out people that know more? Do I seek out answers that are going to help my horse with this? Do I, I mean, there's so much free information. Again, you know, we're talking about this, the information age, right? Um, go get more information on how to solve certain issues with your horse, commit to certain processes. Um, there's so many options there to take ownership of that. Um, and then also in another case of, you know, maybe you didn't buy your horse that way and maybe you were the one that caused your horse's issues, right? Maybe your timing in your release or your temper or your, you know, whatever it is that you did caused a certain behavior in your horse. You could sit there and feel guilt-ridden and just horrible that you did this to your horse, right? That you created this bad habit in your horse or you could just say, you know what? I didn't know it at the time. I didn't realize I was doing that. I didn't do it on purpose. Now, how do I move forward? You know, what What do I do now to help counteract what I did here? Uh, because there are several things like that, even with Freya, that early on that I did, quote unquote, wrong, uh, where I made her bracy on the bit. And I made her have an attitude about lead changes. Uh, you know, like certain things that I created in her that was me no one else can take credit for that I have had that mare since before she was started all she ever was was halter broke so any of her issues they're on me you know and and sometimes that's a lot to take um but at the same time it just you know one of the mistakes I made with Freya was not working with destination addiction in the beginning I never worked on that at the time it wasn't something I worked heavily on years ago and and now at six years old I'm going back to that. And that's what we work on most days these days is loose rein riding, getting her focus with me, working on that destination addiction because it was something I never did. And now it's going to take a little bit longer to work through than it would have if I did it then. And um, it's created a bit more resistance and push, push back from her because of me skipping that. I'm taking ownership of it now. I'm fixing it now. I'm not just ignoring it. You know, I'm, I'm actually doing something about it to fix it. So, so don't let yourself get caught up in just being stuck with the mistakes that you made. You don't have to be stuck because of your mistake. You can find a way to move forward. So. Oh yeah, actually <laughs> I was thinking about the conversation you and I had before we pressed record and I was talking about how I've had to slow down some of Sandy's conditioning a little bit. And I've noticed some of the things that she started presenting where I'm like, oh, we're going to have to work on that. But my first instinct is to be like, oh, but that's fine. We'll do that in the winter when I'm not conditioning you and we like can go to an arena and do that. I'm not going to do it right now, though. <laughs> and I'm just laughing at myself and I'm like, oh, maybe I should take ownership of that and actually work on that instead of letting it build for another six months. <laughs> but one thing I've noticed in particular, so... um for her endurance things, I want to keep her gut sounds really nice and healthy. And part of that means she needs to be eating on the trail and she needs to be drinking really well. And she is just slow, you know, and, and I've talked about how slow she walks and things. So part of my training with her has been like, well, let's, let's hit two birds with one stone. Cause I don't have time for you to actually stop and graze because you're, you're just too slow. So you've got to graze and walk at the same time. So I call it like the snatch and go. So I'm okay if she snatches things, but she has to keep her feet moving. So I actually worked with her for a month or two um, on the ground, teaching her how to do that, teaching her that it was okay to do that. <laughs> it's biting me in the butt now, guys. Like, 
<laughs> so much. <laughs> like she is a pro at the snatch and go, which again, I like, but I've noticed this last couple of weeks as I've slowed, slowed some of her conditioning down, that it's kind of annoying when we're not like full on conditioning and I'm just like trying to have a nice little trail ride. It's like the most annoying thing that she, <laughs> that she'll do that. Um, and then I've noticed too, as I'm leading her, she tries to snatch and go as well. Cause I took her on my run with me. So I, I run about three miles a week and this week I took her with me on my run. And that was something that really messed up my run was her reaching out to grab things. And then when I'm not on her, she gets a little bit, gets away a little bit with having her feet stop. <laughs> so anyways, that's something I've been noticing the last two weeks that I'm like, oh crap. Like I, I really want to ignore this and I really don't want to have to deal with this right now. Like, the, like I just keep, this is something we can deal with later, but at the same time, it's probably something I need to take ownership of and realize, okay, I created this monster. Now, how can I set these boundaries and say, no, you only get to snatch and go in under these circumstances when we're doing this. Cause she started doing it. We were trotting the other day and I, no, we cannot snatch and go and trot at the same time. This is not going to work. <laughs> so just a couple of things that I've noticed just the last couple of weeks and I'm like ah, I've created this monster but there's there's lots of ways that I can go about also setting setting those lines of okay but not not during these times and it's gonna start with me leading her honestly where she's like no you are not allowed to just stop and pull me back so you can grab something it's when I'm leading when I'm in front of you you cannot do this and you can only snatch and go when we're walking um so it's going to take a little bit of time but there's definitely there's there's so many things I can do and before I feel like I would have just gotten mad at myself and I'd get mad at her for this too even though it's it's a problem I've created it's a problem I taught her how to do instead of looking at it like oh yeah but there's so many ways that I can work around this I would have definitely in the past been like, oh, well, the stupid horse, what are you doing? Or Michaela, that was the stupidest thing you ever taught this horse to do, right? So just a funny, funny little insight I had this week. That's funny. Freya has the uh, stopping her feet to eat on the trail issue. She hasn't been on a ton of trails and it's been a year and a half or two years. Um I've taken her on two this year, but before that it was over a year and a half to two years that she'd been on the trails. And yeah, this one that I took her on, <laughs> she, she wants to stop and grab something to eat. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> like keep your feet moving. <laughs> so, so do you want to know what I did to help Sandy with that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, Tangent. this is, I know, like, this is if you are okay with your horse eating on the trail, okay? But what I did is I actually um, took my my lunge line and my whip, and you have to start off, you have to make sure your horse knows how to walk with you on the lunge line. So this is not going in a circle. This is like walking in alignment with you. Like, you stay at their shoulder, and they walk a straight line while you walk a straight line, so you, you kind of need to do that first. Um, but then I took her to my pasture and we did that where I had her on the long line. So she had some movement in her head and I was far enough away that she couldn't pull me around. But then I had my, my whip with me as well. And we'd walk and I would, uh, as she would lean down to grab something and think about stopping, I just either wave my whip or just tap her just a little bit, like not a smack, just a little bit of a tap to say, no, keep your feet moving. But I wouldn't pull her head. I wouldn't, you know, raise my voice or anything and just let her know, like, that's fine, but let's get your feet moving. And it, it took a couple of sessions where, cause she did want to just stop her feet and quickly grab a couple of bites and then, and then race forward and go. Right. So what my goal was for her is like, you still have to stay in alignment with me, whatever your head's doing, you still have to keep your shoulder next to my shoulder. Um, and keep your pace with my pace. And so that's what I focused on. And I just, you know, kind of ignored whatever she was doing with her head. Cause again, I want her to be able to, to grab and go. Um, but she picked that up really quickly once she realized, oh, mom's going to let me eat. I just have to keep walking. No big deal. And she does fine. <laughs> so that that's something if you don't mind if your horse grabs and goes on the trail, there there's a trick for you. Um, if you do mind, then I don't suggest doing that because that'll just teach you how to <laughs> grab and go. <laughs> Yo. 
I know some trainers will teach their horse a specific cue of when they can eat. Um, so they'll, you know, while, while they're moving, they're, they're good, but then they'll give them a cue and, and, uh, let them, let them eat for a few minutes and then pick them back up and keep training. So I know it's a little more common back East where a lot of arenas and round pens and things have grass in them. Um, whereas out here in the West, we don't have to deal with that. (laughs) It's very dry and we do not have extra grass lying around. Yeah, I've started pairing her grazing with my hand on her neck. So I'll put my hand down with the reins. And I've tried to pair that with, okay, I want you to eat now as well. Because when she gets stressed, she doesn't eat as much. So at the ride, she didn't eat as much as she normally does. So I'm really trying to to pair that um, with the cue. And I'm going to have to like continue to really refresh that with her as I'm noticing that she's starting to to pick up more grazing tactics <laughs> yeah good deal well should we jump back out of our tangent into our topic <laughs> yeah training tips for people who want to eat <laughs> or have their horses eat. um did you have any other thoughts on on some of the things that we do that uh where we work against ourselves <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, one thing that came up with me, and it actually came up with a client of mine. We were having a conversation, and I really liked what he said, um, just about changing the way that he talks about. It. He's got clinical depression, and he's like, you know, the way that I talk about it just really, really helps me. You know, like instead of saying like I suffer from depression, he's like, no, I deal with depression, or I handle depression. And I really liked that reframe and it's been getting me thinking too about like, how am I talking about things? Like I am somebody who does have clinical anxiety and some PTSD and it's really easy for me to be like, oh, I suffer from those things. Like, oh, I don't like, I have to, I have those things. And when I say those, it makes me feel like I'm stuck. You know, it makes me feel like, yeah, I wish this would just go away, but it will never go away. Like I suffer from this and just changing that from being like, yeah, I deal with anxiety. It's like, okay, I'm dealing with it. I'm handling it. Right. Just, just that little switch gives so much different power to whatever it is. And that's something I've been really catching myself with is like, as I think like, like stupid anxiety or I have anxiety or yeah, that's easy for you to say if you didn't have this. And it's like, no, I'm dealing with it. I got it. I'm dealing with it. Like, yes, it's something that comes up for me and I'm dealing with it. And it just, it gives it so much, I don't know, just seems so much easier for me. Right. It doesn't make me feel stuck in, in the emotion anymore. It makes me go like, oh yeah, I got this. No big deal. I like that a lot. That's a good reframe. Give yourself empowering words instead of uh, victimizing words. <laughs> right. Well, and it's I thinking about the way that you talk to other people, you know, and really reframing the way that you're saying some things to them, but also to your horses too, because the way that you talk to your horse will lead to the way that you act towards your horse. Right. So if I'm talking to my horse and I'm going, oh, you little witch, like, why are you doing this? Like, you're being so snotty. Guess how I'm going to treat her? I'm going to treat her like she's a little witch that's being so snotty. Right. But if I look and go, oh, I see you're struggling with the fact that your pasture mate's over here and you don't want to focus on me. I see that. I hear that. Let me see if I can come up with a way to help you here. Like, just the way that I talked about that, it's like same situation the way that you talk about it helps you act differently and that helps you grow patience too like you can have so much more patience with somebody in your life if you talk to them just a little bit differently like instead of looking like oh you little brat it's like oh I see you struggled with the fact that I said no here I see that like I'm sorry like let's talk about why I said no or why the situation's going on right like just just that little bit of change can make such a big difference yeah for sure it makes a huge difference and like I feel like one of the words that we use when we speak to ourselves or to others is this should word which we've talked about in podcasts and privately before is you should be able to do this or I should be at this point or or this horse should be in this point in training or I should be a better human or yeah I mean so many different shoulds in in our life right um 
but getting rid of some of those shoulds, I think is another one of those things of the way you speak to yourself. Um, instead of saying I should be this or I should be that say, you know, give yourself a goal of, I want to be this person. Now, what are my action steps to get there? You know, whereas instead of saying I should be this, it almost takes that responsibility away from us when we say I should be, because then it means we're not, which means we failed, you know? So it has this more of a terminal feeling to it, right? Like that is it. <laughs> I should be this and I'm not. Um, and so that's, I like getting rid of those shoulds and just saying, okay, this is where I'm at or okay, this is where my horse is at. And I've had to catch myself with that with Freya as well, just because where we are working on a lot of destination addiction things, it's really hard for me because I know all these things that she does know how to do. She knows how to do the lead changes. She knows how to do a lot of somewhat fancy things. And when I just sit there and do nothing, not nothing, but <laughs> do the destination addiction work of just letting her move through, through the arena and, and those things, um, I have found myself at times getting frustrated and being like, why are you still hugging this side of the arena? Like, oh, and like, you should be better at this, right? That you should be, you should be a better horse. You are six years old, you know? And as soon as I take that should out of it and I'm just like, okay, I see it. I see you're struggling with the fact that I haven't dealt with this in the last four years of training you, you know, I, I see that you are wanting to be by your friends and that your habit of behavior is me making you do it pulling you, you know, manhandling you to where I want you to be. And so just getting out of those habits and getting out of that should and just saying, okay, we're just going to show you a different way to deal with this. Now we're going to break some of these habits that we had from years previous, and, and we're going to show you something new. Then all of a sudden it gives me all this hope and all of this, like, oh yeah, like we're going to do this instead of me being like, oh, why are you being this way? <laughs> No, exactly. It just reminds me too, like, man, the two years or three years that I kept saying you should not be acting like this, Sandy, would have made a big difference if I would have just said, oh, hmm, I see you're struggling with this, or oh, I, I see that this is going on. And seriously, just making that observational statement, oh, I see this, or I hear this, changes the way that you go about it so much. I, I love it. Yeah. Now we're getting into my word for the year. Yeah. <laughs> Sawabona. I see you. I see your struggles. I see. And towards yourself too. Right? See yourself as well. No, that's actually really powerful. <laughs> Camry and I were talking about that before we hit record, but it is really easy, especially for me. And I feel like Camry, it's pretty easy for you too. It's really easy for us to forget our needs and to forget that you know, we need a second to recognize that we're struggling. We need a second to realize that it's okay that we're struggling, that we deserve to struggle. And then look at it and go, okay, now I, I see that I'm struggling. I hear that I'm struggling. What can I do to help myself get through this? I, like I said, I am the queen of just putting things down and ignoring it and going, okay, nope, nope, I, I cannot feel this way right now because I need to show up for this person in this way and for that person in this way. And if I am struggling with this and I don't just push it down, I can't show up and be that person for these people. And I just can't do that. Like, can't be that person. But by doing that, I ignore my needs. I ignore what, what's going on in my life. And the one person, the one person in our lives that we'll see, hear, and can actually help us is ourselves. And if we don't allow ourselves to be that person, we got nobody else. You know, like, yeah, we might have some good friends, but they're going to have bad days. You know, yes, we've got, you might have a spouse or a partner, but it's not their responsibility to see and hear and feel everything that you're feeling. You got to show up for yourself. Yeah. And I feel like one of the big words that helps me with that to remember that is you're the one that can validate your own feelings and you should. Cause I feel like, especially as women in particular, where most women tend to be a bit more emotional, have a few more feelings, right? We tend to unvalidate, right? And like, no, I shouldn't feel that. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be feeling this way, you know, and, and 
tell ourselves our feelings are stupid and, and stop crying. You're, you know, stop crying. You're stop doing this thing. Stop feeling this way. Just buck up and, and be like someone else's or whatever else, you know, and when we can validate ourselves and say, no, like this, it is okay for me to feel these feelings. Now that doesn't mean we just wallow in them forever. It's like you said, you know, and then after you give yourself that validation, then you can move forward because then that part of you that needs validation, that need is filled and then you can move forward. Whereas when we don't give ourselves that validation of saying, no, it's okay to feel this way, then we almost bottle it up more and just and turn into this big bottled up monster <laughs> right well you get mad at it because it's like yeah, well if i shouldn't feel this way then why are you here <laughs> you know? yeah like get ah. out of here <laughs> and you get frustrated with yourself like i shouldn't feel this way why am i feeling this way and then you get angry with yourself and whereas if you just validate yourself and say no it's okay then all of a sudden that part of you is like oh, takes a breath and then you can move on from it so much easier than if you just try to fight that right and fight it and be like no no, I don't feel this way. No, stop it. <laughs> yeah. And then you can take ownership of the situation, yeah. right? Instead of ignoring it and saying, you shouldn't feel this way. It's like, okay, yeah, I see that I feel this way. And yes, it is a very frustrating situation. Now, what am I going to choose to do about this? Yeah. Yeah. Play around with the different parts of yourselves. Cause we, we have them. We all have different parts of ourselves, right? We have the part that is trying to protect ourselves. And we have the part that wants to protect others in our lives. You know, our spouses, our kids, our animals. And and there's going to be certain times that that we need to focus a little more inward. And then sometimes that we need to focus a little more on others and different parts of ourselves that need to have their needs filled. And when we listen to those, then we can move through things a lot better and find those solutions that we need to find in our life and, and use that information that we get to move forward and to help us grow. Yeah. Well, anything else to add, Miss Michaela? No, I think we covered it. And I just, yeah, I love all the insights we're having. Yeah. Moral of the story, guys. Take ownership for your crap. Give yourself grace. <laughs> yeah. You got it. <laughs> yep. All right. We will chat with you all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week. <laughs>